Episode number 213 of the Emotionally Equipped Podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. If you're new to me, just so that you know who you're listening to, I am the author of the books, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and The Clear Way, Five Simple Steps to Be Mentally Prepared for Anything. These books are based on two self-help tools I created that support you in getting unstuck and getting clear so you can live deliberately. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. And now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So I have a special episode for you. If you are a long-term listener to this podcast, you will know that this podcast is not interview-based. It's a podcast where I have traditionally been sharing my stories and my teachings regarding the tools that I've created so you can feel emotionally empowered in your life. But a few weeks ago, I was browsing through Instagram and I noticed someone that I follow was on live. So let me explain who this person is and why I decided to reach out to her to see if I could interview her. Her name is Beatty Deutsch. Beatty is a mother of five young children She is a religious Jew, originally from New Jersey, and now lives in Israel. And by the way, even though I am originally from New Jersey, and Beatty and I moved to Israel around the same time, we never personally met until this interview. I actually learned about her for the first time from a Facebook group that I used to be in for working mothers in Israel. Someone had posted a picture of a very, very pregnant woman crossing the finish line of a running race. The picture was so unbelievable that I had to read the caption. And what I learned from that post, and also over time, was that Beatty began running only in 2016, at the age of 25. I remember watching one of her live videos, sharing with the world that for six years, and I'm assuming she was talking about when she started having kids, she didn't do any exercise at all, like nothing. Anyway, so she started running, and by the way, because she's religious, she runs in a long-sleeved top, even in the scorching heat, and she runs in a skirt that goes below her knees, and she runs in a headscarf. It is absolutely incredible just to see, which you can do if you're on Instagram. She can be found as Marathon Mother, and if you're on Facebook, I believe you can find her as BD Deutsch. Anyway, so Beatty started running while she was raising her young kids, and she ran her first marathon in Tel Aviv after taking up running only four months earlier, and she finished in sixth place. A year later, she ran the same marathon, this time seven months pregnant. A year after that, she was the first placed Israeli in the Jerusalem Marathon, where she set a course record for Israeli female runners. The following year, she won the Tiberius Marathon, and most recently, she was training for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Amazing, right? And this is when I saw her go live on Instagram a few weeks ago because she had traveled to London to run in a race that would qualify her for the Olympics, which of course was a huge thing. Beatty had sponsors, like I've seen ads and billboards. If I'm not mistaken, it's with Nike or Adidas or something like that. She has thousands of followers from around the world. And there were a lot of eyes on her with this particular event. 
And Beatty went live that night after the race to share with her followers her thoughts and her feelings and her reflections because, I am going to spoil it here, she did not qualify for the Olympics. And through tears, she shared her disappointment and so many other emotions. And as she was speaking live, I was like shouting directly at my phone, even though obviously she couldn't hear me. And I was like, oh, get unstuck. Don't stay stuck. But like I said, she couldn't hear me. And so what I thought I would do is reach out to her, not only to interview her and have her share her story with us, but to offer an opportunity to share my tools with her if she would be interested in learning them. So you're going to hear a powerful interview from a powerful woman. I definitely feel like Beatty is emotionally equipped, even though she didn't know my tools before this interview. And I think that is due in large part to the fact that she's religious and has such faith in God and in things happening for a reason and her sincere trust. I truly believe people who are religious have that advantage in life. And of course, anyone can choose at any time to believe in a higher power and in having a relationship with that higher power. But still, in the interview, you'll hear the backstory leading up to the event, what happened at the event, and how she got through it, and where she's going now moving forward. And you'll also hear me walking her through the unstuck method. And just a couple of things before I hit play. Number one, Bidi refers to Hashem a couple of times in this interview. The word Hashem is one of the many words that Jewish people use to refer to God. Hashem is more of an informal way to refer to God, a way that you wouldn't use, let's say, in prayer. And number two, Bidi talks about a problem that she had in the race regarding being lactic. Now, I didn't ask her about this in the interview because it wasn't information I really needed to know. But basically, from the little research I did, what Beatty was referring to was that when you run really fast, like you're running a marathon, your muscles burn carbs and produce this thing called lactic acid, which quickly breaks down into lactate, which is a good thing, and hydrogen ions, which is not a great thing because the hydrogen ions lower the pH of your muscles, decreasing efficiency and causing an awful burning sensation. And so runners have to learn, each of them according to their body type and their size and their diet, how many carbs to take in before and maybe even during a run. And by the way, Beatty is petite. I don't know her exact height, but I often see her post photos of a Muslim woman that she trains or that she runs with. I love seeing those photos. And this Muslim woman who wears a headdress, the hijab, seems like she's two or three heads taller than Beatty. Anyway, you can see those photos when you go onto social media later after tuning into this podcast interview. I hope you enjoy. So what I'd like to start out with, briefly share with the listeners who you are and how you've become this sensation in the Israel slash Jewish world. Yeah, um, I am a mom of five young children. I'm originally from, I grew up in New Jersey, moved to Israel, was working full-time in Jewish outreach and ultimately became a professional runner for Israel. I'm Israel's national marathon champion and half marathon champion. And 
currently training for the Tokyo 2021 Olympics and other international events. Amazing. Okay, great. So I started following you. I heard about you. I heard about you from a Facebook group that I used to be in. I'm not in anymore called Ima Kidima. And I, that's how I first found out about you. I saw you, I saw this image of this woman who was seven months pregnant or something like that. And <laughs> yeah, um, that was the first Ima Kadima post. Someone, <laughs> it was crazy. I was so shocked how many people were like, so blown away by that. <laughs> oh my God, right. It had like thousands of likes and comments and we were all like, who is this woman? And look at her, you know, crossing the finish line, like, you know, very visibly pregnant. Um, and so, but I was not on Instagram until about, I think two months ago, I just started getting on Instagram. So I wasn't really following you, um, unless I just heard something in the news or something like that. But about two months ago, I got on Instagram and I started following you. And last week, by chance, I was in the kitchen, I was doing the dishes. I opened up um, Instagram and I noticed that there was your live. And so I clicked on it and I stopped doing the dishes and I sat down in my kitchen and I just sat with you and your story and the big story and the big emotions and everything that was going on. And it was in that moment that I said, I have to interview her and I, and I wanna to speak to her about my tools. I want her to get emotionally equipped. Not that you're not already, because I really believe that you have your own you know, different ways of coping emotionally. Um, but still, I wanted to offer it in case you might be interested, in case you want to, you know, get more, more tools. So I'd love for you to share with the listeners, what was, what happened last week? What, what, you know, what were you working towards? And then tell us, you know, the aftermath, like what, what happened? What, what were you feeling? What were you thinking? Not so much as like, how did you deal with it? We'll get to that mindset afterwards, but I'm really looking for like the raw truth. So I was training since 2019. Um, I had been pursuing the goal of representing Israel in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Um, you know, I, I, I qualify, I'll give the whole backstory. I ran, I, I won the Israel National Championship Marathon in January 2019 in a time of 242. At the time, the Olympic standard from 2016 was 245. Previous years, it's varied between 245 and 237 for women in the marathon. So I felt pretty confident in being able to say I was going to, to make it. Um, in March of that year, they pretty the World Athletics like dropped a bomb <laughs> in my mind. Basically, they 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 were cutting the field of female marathoners in half for the 2020 Olympics only taking 80 as opposed to previously 160. And they announced new qualifying standards of 229.30, which is the most difficult standard it's ever been for women in all the years of the Olympics. And at the time when I heard it, I thought I was pretty much like, oh my gosh, that's impossible. But um, I also thought, you know, if if God brought me so close, like I must, he, he can help me do anything like it's possible. And I decided to continue pursuing it. And my coach and I had a plan more to qualify through the ranking system because they said they would take the top 80 ranked women. And like, there's a complicated system with points. And we, we mapped out which races I should do and what, what times and place they needed to do in the races. And the first race I needed to do was a Cape Town marathon. I got eighth place. Like I needed to, I ran the time of two thirty six Like I needed to, it was all perfect. It was an amazing experience. I was full of like, you know, 
Hashem helped me every step of the way. It was incredible. Then I continued to train really intensely. I, I thought I needed to do a 234 in, in Tiberias, Tiberia, the national championship and, and run um, and come in first. Ended up like three weeks before the race, discovering that if I wanted to qualify by the ranking, I would have to run a 232. Again, it seemed really crazy from where I was, but I ended up running that 232 in 2020 and I moved up to number 76 in the ranking. At that point, I felt really good about my training. I was planning on going for the actual guaranteed standard of 229.30 in Rotterdam in April. I was training, my training was like amazing. And then Corona came along and the marathon was canceled and the Olympics were postponed. And I didn't give up on that goal, but things were adjusted. And it took a very long time for me to be able to find a race that worked for me that I was able to get into. And I also along the way had an injury. And by the time this race that I did this past Sunday was my last chance to try and qualify for the Tokyo 2021 Olympics. And at this point, no time other than 229.30 was gonna get me a spot in the Olympics because more than 80 women have now done that time. And, um, this was, there's no other races after this. And it was, this is, you know, I'd been building towards this race for a long time. I recovered from my injury and I was in a really top shape. I've never had a training cycle that went as well as this. So many people just all around the world cheering for me, telling me they were praying for me, rooting for me, people messaging me on top of that. I made a charity campaign to raise money for Beit Daniela and beyond exceeded my expectations and raised 115,000 shekel. And then came the race and it went, you know, it was perfect conditions, beautiful day, great people to run with, pacers. And I was on pace till 37 kilometers, uh, running that exact time that I needed, even a drop faster. The last 5K, I just hit the wall. I did everything in my power with my head, like positive wise. Like I can't, I can't describe it. Like my body didn't feel like it was falling apart. But no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't get my legs to move the pace I needed. I was just slow, slow, slow. Like I was completely lactic. I I never have hit a wall in any marathon before, but this definitely was the wall. <laughs> and I just didn't have enough nutrition in my body to keep up that pace. And I did not make the time of 229.30 across the finish line in 231.39, which was a new personal record for me, but it was not what I set out to do. For me, when I share all of that, it allows me to like experience the loss and disappointment of what it was. And maybe for the listeners to understand the context of everything that I poured into this race, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I know I, I wanted you to share all of that because without that, you don't have that sense of all of the emotions that you felt afterwards, right? You were working on something for not only two years. I mean, ever since you started pursuing this running, which I think is already five or six years, like I do believe that you were always working towards something and you always just kept raising the bar. So it's, it's a big picture. It's a big context kind of picture. We're not just talking about like a one-time race. So I'm really glad that you shared all that. Now I'd love to, I'd love to know the kind of acute feelings and thoughts that were running through you, either when you crossed the finish line or maybe, you know, the following day, the following two days, even, you know, the following week, like what were the real, and again, I'm looking for like honesty because everyone who listens to this podcast, they themselves know what it's like to feel stuck, 
that's one of the words, the key words that I use is getting stuck, what it feels like to get stuck and how to get unstuck. But we don't often see this in the public sphere. We don't often see somebody like you being very brave and vulnerable, sharing where, you know, the strong emotions that they were feeling, you know, and then guiding, you know, yourself or being guided to get out of that. You don't see that. We don't usually see quote unquote, I don't like to use the word, you know, failure, but you don't see that. Right. When we see, when we look at actresses and actors and marathon runners or whatever it is, um, successful authors, we don't usually see the process along the way. We only see themselves at the end point. And it's a big problem. It's a big problem for the everyday person who thinks when they fall, they think that that's not normal, you know? And, and so that, again, it's a reason why I'm, I'm so grateful and appreciative that you're here. Um, that you're willing to be honest. So that's that's what I'd like to hear from you. Like, what were the difficult feelings? What were the thoughts that you were running through? I, I remember some of them from the uh, um, from the lives. So if you don't say that, I might remind you. Well, it's so funny because it's a crazy how time, like time heals so much, you know, because I'm already one week removed from it. And there's just been a lot that happened. Already it's hard for me to go to the place of like feeling sad because I feel so at peace with where I am right now and I'm already moving forward but I don't I I I think that part of my I know as my part of like my the way I work is like I'm constantly trying to make things better like I'm always telling myself it's okay it's good it's fine so like I think I'm happy that you're making me go back to it because like I do believe if you don't resolve all the like disappointment negativity frustration that you might have about something like it will come up like, and I don't want to be stuck here. So if I can, I'll go to that place. So, um, but I just, I'm just like thinking in my head how like the second you say, go to the place, my mind's already telling me like, oh, but you're so okay. Like, of course mm. it was all for like, the first things I want to tell you are like, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Hashem knows what he's doing. <laughs> it's like, that's how I am, you know? <laughs> so, um, but honestly, like I was surprised that when I crossed this, like, first of all, physically, I was completely like depleted, just like for five kilometers, I had been giving everything I could on empty. So I was like running on empty, empty, empty. So when I crossed, it was like, my head was spinning. I've never felt so bad. And I just collapsed. And my, my family was watching on the, you know, they had, they said the camera was on me for like two minutes. I was like almost curled up in like a fetal position. Just like, I was so... I was sad. I was really sad because I think the thing that like, it wasn't like in my mind, it's like, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Like I, it wasn't at all how I visualized. It wasn't the way I wanted to cross the finish line. I wanted to try. I wanted to be triumphant. I wanted to be like, yeah, I did it. I hit my goal. Like I knew I could do it. I want, and I knew I, and I still knew I could do it. It was so frustrating to feel like I didn't get to get everything I had out of my body. Like I knew that there was more in me, but because I hadn't been, you know, enough, like I didn't realize it was upsetting to think about the fact that like, so say nutrition, like I've always basically uh, something that's been hard for me during the, with part of the marathon is that nutrition piece of the puzzle where like you need to take in enough calories to, to support your body, to like fuel your body. But I found the faster I'm running, the more my stomach kind of just rejects me bringing any, giving anything in. And I had two, even though my two past marathons were like positive and that I accomplished, I like had just upset stomach and it really didn't feel good. And I was like, Hey, this time I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to do the bare minimum I need. And 
you know, I trained to like, I trained with liquids all the time. I would, I would take in the fuel, but like, not like ever taking in enough, just always trying to get through the run, like without having to stop for the bathroom. So like thinking about that part and being like, but why, why didn't I just take more fuel if that's what I needed? Like, who cares if my stomach was bothering me? Like, let, let me just have, why didn't I train harder in that area? I gave everything. So like, even though I felt in the race, it was like, I did everything I could possibly, but my mind would go to that place of, you know, and then the feeling of like, I was running with another girl from Israel who she trains in Boulder. She's, um, she was in the 2016 Olympics. Obviously our situations are different. She's single, lives at altitude, you know, dedicates her whole life to running, doesn't have, but still she had come back from, she's never run. She ran a 13 minute personal best and ran a 229.04. And I ran most of the race with her. And then I watched her just, fly ahead. She crossed the finish line strong. And it was like, why couldn't I have done that? Like, I know how to give out hard. I know how to suffer. And I just couldn't, I wasn't even suffering because my body wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. It was like a feeling of almost like you're not in control. You know, I know that I personally struggle with that. Like if I want, I want to be able to take charge of what I'm doing and like, I feel like with my mind, I can handle anything. I can, I can get through anything, but here it was like, didn't matter how strong my mind was. My body couldn't do it. You know, my body was physically not capable at that, at that moment. So I was just feeling all like all those emotions. And the hardest thing was like, afterwards I'd go between, I just, the whole day was like in this haze of like, knowing that it was really the best thing for me. And wow, I have this unique opportunity and privilege to, to demonstrate like the message of, of getting up after failure and, and, and the message of, we know all we can control is the effort that we put in. And at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. And, and sharing this, not being afraid to take risks, knowing all of that, but then emotionally just feeling like, but then keep going back to, but I wanted to do it. I wanted to qualify. I wanted to represent Israel. I wanted to be that Orthodox woman who like, made it to the Olympics and why didn't I get that? And, and, you know, so I felt all of that. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing all that. That's um, there's, there's a lot there in terms of how the feelings that you were feeling. I mean, I, I you know, I watched you, like I said, on Instagram um, and you were in a different place, you know, you were a little teary eyed. Um, you were very raw after the fact you were, you were speaking to your followers I think one of the biggest emotions that I felt you feel that I don't, it's one of the many, you know, you definitely were sad and you were frustrated, but one of them that you mentioned, and I, I think you even said was this feeling of humiliation that you feel like you have all these people watching you and um, sponsoring you and supporting you and praying for you and all of these things. And you feeling like um, humiliated. I think that was the word that you used, if I'm not mistaken. And you're, you're totally on the spot that it's, it's very easy to jump to like, let me, I should think of it this way, right? I should, I should, I should look at it differently. I should, you know, change my mindset and everything is going to be fine. But the problem is, is that all of those thoughts and emotions are still going to be there. Even if you try to just change the mind, which is why it's so important to get to the source and to really kind of clean, clean out the mind first before, you know, before taking on that new thought, because that's, you know, the work I do, it's not just about changing your thoughts. It's not, it's really about getting to the root um, of the feelings and the emotions, getting unstuck from them. And then only at that point, you know, going on to uh, consider. So 
you know, I did um, send you both of my books, but I know they didn't arrive yet. And so you are totally, as far as I, I know, you're totally unfamiliar with my tools. So I wanted to see if I could take a few minutes to walk you through the Unstuck Method and see how you can, first of all, learn the tool, but also how you might be able to use it in the future, you know, if you do get stuck in a situation like this. How would that feel? Yeah, I think that sounds very good. I mean, I think that both, like I have certain, you know, um, I have, I think over the years have very much grown in this area and become very self-aware, but I think just as a parent also, like having tools to be able to like share with your kids, because the fact of life is that we go through disappointments, we get stuck, we get stressed out or frustrated or, you know, not sure how to proceed. So I'm always looking to see, you know, what are, what are helpful ways to deal with that? I, I just think that we weren't meant to get through life without having kind of these tools. You know, I, I just, I just believe it. Okay. So let me walk you through it quickly. So when you're in a stuck situation and we'll kind of go back like a week from today when you were kind of in that place. So the first step is S and that's for stop. You can't stop yourself from thinking that's impossible, but what you can do is redirect your attention to the present moment. So the mind is gets stuck in the past or it gets stuck in the future, right? But when you are literally in the present moment, you're not stuck, right? You I literally was stuck. doing this, by the way, like the day that I came back, well, the entire day, I just found my head spinning. And it's true. It was like either past, like, oh, I'm frustrated why I didn't, like I would relive the final moments of that race and feel intense, like, or, and then I think about, you know, what if I can't do it again? Like, well, what if I try again? And I'm like, it's like, I can't do it. And as soon as I would be like, all right, BD, just think about what you're doing right now. Like bring yourself back to, I was like, I'm home. I'm with my kids. I would focus on what am I grateful for? It was so crazy because yeah, your head, when you go to those places, you can get so <laughs> caught in this like never ending cycle. Yeah. 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 So yeah. And it's, and it's, and unless so I encourage people to practice, I call it stopping um, every day, you know, taking five minutes a day and just practicing to stop. Because if you're not practiced, then when you actually need to take a stop and you're stuck, you won't have anything to grab to because your mind is not going to be familiar with that. Your mind is very familiar with being stuck, right? But the mind is not familiar with, you know, pausing and breathing. So, so that's the first thing that we would do. The next step is T and that's for tell. Tell is where you recognize what emotion or emotions you're stuck on. And you actually say it in a certain way because usually when we're stuck on, like when I asked you before, I said, what were you feeling, right? You were like, you were sad, um, you were frustrated, right? You were, you were giving me the emotions that you were feeling. So the problem is language is so important. Like the language that we use shapes our reality. So when you say I'm sad or I'm frustrated, what you don't realize that you're doing is you're unconsciously identifying with the emotion. It's like, I'm beady, I'm sad, right? I'm beady, I'm frustrated. But of course you're not a sad person, right? And you're not a frustrated person, but right now in this moment, that's what you're feeling. And so I encourage people to look at their language and instead of saying it like that, say it in the form of I'm stuck on sadness or I'm stuck on frustration. So just like you were able to get stuck on it, you can also get unstuck from it, right? It's our, all of our emotions are temporary. 
just like you said, it's a week out and you're like in a totally different place. You know, you're not feeling as strong as the emotion. They're just temporary. In this step, we also allow ourselves. It's a big thing where I, I, I really emphasize, allow yourself to feel the emotion. Like this is not about, you know, put the emotion under the, under the rug and don't feel it. And you're not meant to feel it. Like, yeah, you're feeling it. Give yourself five minutes, cry if you need to hit, you know, punch a, a punching bag if you need to, but really let the emotion flow through you. Because not only is it stuck in your mind, it's stuck somewhere in the body because the mind and the body are intimately connected. And then the you is for uncover. And this is where we uncover the thoughts, right? This is the thought is always the reason that you get stuck on something. It's, it always comes down to an uninvestigated thought. There's a belief that you have, you're holding on to that is making you believe, you know, that the situation is this way and it's only this way and you can't see it any other way. And so in this step, what we do is we try to uncover everything that you might be thinking and then investigate it, really investigate the truth. Like, is that 100% true? You know, and if it's not, that's when we start to really open that window of opportunity to kind of look at the situation a different way. So some of the things you said, for example, like, like I should have eaten maybe differently on the run as you were running, like I should have, or, so that would have been a thought. I wrote it down as something that you said, sometimes, oftentimes we are thinking things, we don't even know what we're thinking, but as we're speaking, we, we, we kind of share what, what is on the mind, you know? So, you know, I should have eaten differently. And then I would ask you, is that a hundred percent true? And the answer really is no, it's not true because what should have happened did happen, right? Like whatever happened, happened. Like there's nothing that you can do about that now. So to think of like, I should have, it's that if that wasn't supposed to happen, right? Cause that's, right. Not, that's, that's not how reality presented itself, you know? Um, or like, I should have trained harder. Is that a hundred percent true that I should have trained harder? No, I mean, I don't feel like that either. <laughs> right? Yeah. I couldn't have trained harder. I did the best training I could. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, the one from the one that really hit me the most was in the in the Instagram live when you said, I don't know, it was exact these exact words, but it's something like, you know, I, I feel like I humiliated, you know, I, I feel like I hum, or I'm humiliating people or I feel like I humiliated. Um, I don't people. know, if I personally, I mean, it's like an interesting thing, because I feel like, I, I don't know if I personally felt that like, hum, I didn't feel humiliation, but I almost felt like letting people down. And it's okay. like, the feeling of like, uh, you know, the people who I don't, I don't have real such major sponsorship, but even just the fact like I'm sponsored by Israeli Olympic Committee, like, I didn't fulfill their expectations. I didn't fulfill what I they wanted me to do, what I set out to do for them. Or, you know, everyone who told me like they were cheering. I, and I don't, it doesn't, it's interesting because like I'm, intellectually, I know, of course, it doesn't change, doesn't change people's view of me. And I'm not like, I'm not really letting anyone down. This is the real, like we're all humans. And this is how like, you know, it's sport. There's going to be times where you do, you win. And sometimes when you lose, that's just the reality. But yeah, the feeling of, of like, it doesn't feel good to, to not, I mean, in that it, it can happen in a job, it can happen at all. It doesn't feel good to not meet the expectations of what you, someone else has for you, you know? Yeah. So it's a, it's like a board. I don't know if 
I don't feel embarrassed, but it's like in theory, it could be interpreted that way, I guess, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's good that you're seeing that. It's good that you're seeing that, that like, you know, like you said, you're human, like, and as, as much as we were all cheering for you and excited and hoping and all of that, we're all like understanding that you're a human being. I listen to enough like podcasts of other athletes and like everyone in some way experiences this. Maybe it's not always in the biggest stage, but plenty of athletes have. And like, if you let this kind of thing, like, you know, really like in in any, in some ways, this is like my badge of honor now, you know, (laughs) like my aunt was telling me even like in the tech world, like if you, it's like a badge of honor to have made us have a startup company that like failed because like that means you you, you tried like and most like nine startups don't actually make it so like but if you could say I had a startup regardless of whether it made it it's like you did something so like how many other people out there can say like I almost qualified for the Olympics, but I didn't quite make it. Like how many people put themselves out there to do it? How many people invested everything they had for such a huge goal? How many people were willing to take that risk? You know, I I did it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and so we'll go, so the next step is C and that's where consider, this is where the mind shift happens, right? So it's like, instead of looking at it this way, like it should have been this way and I should have done it this way. And I, I would, you know, it's like we open, we really broaden our, our minds and recognize what else is in the realm of possibility. Like how else can I look at this situation? Because the way I'm looking at it is not helping me. It's not helping me. I feel stuck. I'm not happy. I'm sad, you know? So how else can we look at it? Now this, like, I feel like you're amazing at this, right? And I think part of it is your faith. <laughs> right? Yeah. A big part of it is your faith, right? Your, your trust in God and believing that things happen for a reason. And I think that's huge, but I think there's other considerations, you know, other considerations like, you know, what can you learn from this, for example, you know, or what's the opportunity in this? Literally, that's what I would ask my, when I found myself like reverting to the thoughts of like, Oh, the the frustration and the like reliving the final moments and and being like, but this is not how I wanted it. I would just ask, I would say to myself, hey, okay, like think of two things that you're gonna come out stronger from as art. Like, what are you learning about yourself because of this? And like being able to redirect and just ask those my, myself those questions really helped me. And and I, I mean, I happen to be besides for the faith, I also am like a very naturally optimistic person like I told you it's like so hard for me to go to the negative my, my head is always like it's great like <laughs> so I'm very blessed that way but I think that really it's something you can easily like it's an attitude you could learn to incorporate into your life and like start with the smallest things just being able to turn around like you know, waking up feeling negative, but like opening your eyes to notice, okay, what am I grateful for? And then it translates, like the more it's a practice, you know, and the more you do it, the more naturally it comes. And I have to say about myself that one thing that I was like, I was not good at accepting when things didn't go the way I wanted, because if you're a person like me, who is very good at making things happen, and it's like type A, and like, okay, I have a goal, it's gonna, I'm gonna do it. And like, there's a lot that like, So then when those goals don't happen, like, or like even the things that I couldn't control felt was like really hard for me. I didn't want to, I used to really get frustrated about like, I don't know, even just like missing a bus or like something breaking or, and, and like, I've really just moved towards the place of, first of all, like working on my own faith, but also 
like realizing what does it serve me? Does the frustration and the like anger and the upset, like how does that serve me better? It doesn't. And I don't want to go to that place. I want to go, I want to be a person who can accept things more easily. And I want that, I want to be calmer. I want to realize like, to learn and grow from the challenges, not let them like, you know, throw me off course and, and take me down. So, and I've, I've just seen how the way, the only way we really do achieve our greatest potential is by going through these difficult situations, you know? And as like much as we don't always want to accept them, every time we're forced to like, we, we hit those bumps in the road and, and, and no one, no one has a smooth drive, right? Like we're all going to hit our own bumps in a certain, it, it could be uniquely personal on things that no one else gets that there's why they're so hard, but for us, it could be the biggest thing, but those huge roadblocks are ultimately like exactly what we needed to get our, to our next level. So like, I kind of just try and remind, I really have learned to embrace it in a certain way, because like you said, ask the question, like, like, I like to say, how is this? uncovering another layer of myself that I didn't know before, right? Like sometimes it, it reveals these strengths you didn't know you had. And like, we're so much more resilient and capable than we realize. And sometimes we have to go through those challenges to remind ourselves ourselves of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, the fact that, you know, quote, I don't use the word failure. I, I say falling forward, but like, it's part of the process. It's part of the process. And people even look at me and they're like, they think, that that just happens. Right. Like, and it doesn't just happen. Totally. Like, it's like <laughs> nothing just happens. <laughs> nothing just happens. Like, do you know how many failures I've had? I've tried this and it didn't work. And I tried this and two people showed up and I tried like, and, and that's how I'm building myself. Like I'm building myself from falling forward constantly, you know, I just, you know, and I do, I do share it. I don't, I don't, I'm also like you, I don't mind sharing. I think, um, I think transparency is actually something that's needed in this world. Um, and I also believe, I totally agree with you that it's a practice, you know, and, and why I encourage people actually, I just, I'm coming out with a journal soon, um, but using these tools on a daily basis, because if you don't use them on a regular basis, the mind again, doesn't, it's, it, the mind isn't familiar and the, and the mind likes to be efficient. So the mind is gonna much rather be in a place of like thinking old thoughts and recycled thoughts than thinking more expansive thoughts because it's hard for the mind to do that. It's just not used to doing that. And the more you practice this, the more you become efficient at getting unstuck because you're just like, I'll just do it again. I'll just use, I'll just go through the steps and do it again. And it does become easier. You know, I can say that from personal experience. It becomes easier the more you practice it. I think it's really, no, I'm very happy you shared this because I was thinking more like a lot of what you're saying comes so naturally to me. But the thing is that sometimes I think about like my daughter who's 11, who like, obviously she's has part me and part my husband, which but my husband's like the opposite of me in certain ways, like doesn't see things optimistically <laughs> very well and like couldn't get stuck on like the negative. And I think sometimes I'm like, I'm trying to rush her through the process. Like, okay, like, this is, you know, it's hard, but this is how you should feel, blah, blah, blah. And like, if I, if I give her these tools and I just am like, like, she needs a lot more time to like, she doesn't want me to be saying like, now is not the time to withdraw, like let go. And like, nope, she's going to let go when she's ready. And if I just know in my head, like, okay, I can share these tools with her. And then I don't have to really get involved. Like, cause I'm always worried. Like, I want her to know she's such a great girl, but like, 
I see you're getting stuck and I just want her to know this is how you can help yourself when you're feeling like this. Like it doesn't have to stay that way. But sometimes I think I'm just too, I'm just seeing it from my perspective, you know? And, and I want to like, <laughs> I want to rush it when she really needs her space. So, so I think this was like, this reminded me of it because a lot of people don't, don't always feel positive very quickly and they need the time to process it and they can't be pulled out of it too fast. I, I do believe that the only person who can get themselves unstuck is the person themselves. Even if they do have guidance from the outside, it really has to be the person. And as much as I also want to help my kids, it's really, it, it really only works when they're ready. So the last step in this tool is K and that's for kindness. So oftentimes when we get stuck, right, we feel shame or embarrassment or guilt or self-resentment, right, for having gotten stuck in the first place. Like you can imagine getting into a fight with someone like your spouse and you were really upset with something that he did or, and then afterwards you were like, oh, why did I get so upset over something so stupid? Like, why did I get stuck on that, you know? And so this is an opportunity for self-compassion. And so at this step, I encourage people to place their hands on their heart and just to remind themselves they're human, that all humans get stuck. We all get stuck and, you know, tomorrow is another day. So that is one of my tools. I wanna, I, I wanna ask you moving forward, like what, you kind of mentioned it before, but just remind me, like what, what are your plans now in terms of the running, in terms of like, what, where, where are you going right now? It's so funny because I was like, all right, after I do this race, I'm going to take two weeks off and not run at all. Like all the big professional runners always talk about how like they need to give their body time to recover. It happens to be that like I have a very strong body. So I always recover really well, thank God. But like, I don't know, I got thrown. <laughs> I was so fired up by the fact that like I didn't like I feel like I have unfinished business. So it's like I'm so back to training already. Like happened to be that last night I had like basically being part of a, as a professional runner and part of a league. And in this 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 time now we have a lot of short, we have a lot of like track races and it gets points for our league. And even though I was not planning on doing it, they had a 1500 meter race last night. And yeah, I'm like really excited to um, get faster in the short stuff right now. And then back to marathon training over the summer. So I can hopefully in, run in Berlin in the fall, like a big, a big world marathon major and, and try and go for that qualifying time. The 229.30, if I is still needed for the world championships, which is in a year, I'm really excited about pursuing that goal going forward. And Today, I like went out, I, I, I swam, which I love swimming. I find it very, um, I don't know, I find it really relaxing and kind of like head clearing in a certain way. But I went on this run and I felt so at peace with like everything that happened, just so like blessed about it. And so the crazy thing is, and I was listening to this really great class and I was so inspired, like so mind body everything feeling like spiritual run and 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 then I saw okay it's gonna sound silly but like I saw a turtle on the trail I've never seen a turtle on my run and I always thought before I ran my biggest races I'd see deer and I always took it as a sign God sending me the deer ruts cuts feet I'm gonna run like a deer right I'm gonna run fast I'm gonna do it all before my my big race in Tveria 2020. And before this race, I saw a deer that I was like on a trail I'd never seen. The deer was always my symbol. Today, I saw a turtle and I looked at, the, I thought Hashem is sending me the turtle because he's telling me that 
It's, it's about the progress. Turtles are slow and steady. They move so slowly, but they make every, every single step they're moving forward. And I'm like, it was hard for me for a long time. I was like, oh, I, I, I spent a year training for this and I only improved in, by 40 seconds. And I felt almost like, does that really progress? But yes, it's progress. If I don't cheer myself on for every single second, and if we all don't cheer ourselves on for every single bit of progress, we're never going to make those huge steps because the huge steps don't come because we jumped five rungs in a ladder. They come because we moved like the turtle slowly, but steadily and consistently. And I felt so like at peace with it and so proud of myself and just like whole. And yeah, I know I'm crazy for like getting excited about a turtle, but this is how I am. <laughs> I truly believe that Hashem sends me every, all the messages I need in my life. So today was a good day. I picked two goals that I have specifically to improve on in my training, like things that I, like I said, like, I don't blame myself. Like you said, when you said, is that really true? Like, should I have taken more? No, you're absolutely right. I did what I did. It doesn't matter, but I could learn from it. I could say, what? I now need to know, I need to measure out before I go on my long runs, how much fluids I need to take. And I am going to get really good at it. And you know what? The fact that I failed in the area, if I had somehow managed to, to make it, well, I never would have continued. I would have thought, oh, I'm okay. And it would have come up at some point because I'm really not okay in that area. So now I know I'm going to go and work on it. And who knows, maybe it's going to take me to even greater levels than I thought possible, you know? <laughs> I, and I, I love the turtle metaphor. And, um, you know, one of the other things I, I talk about is called living deliberately. In the, uh, the journal that I created, um, there's morning prompts and there's evening prompts. And one of the, the last, I think it's the last prompt in the evening is uh, I acknowledge myself for, you know, dot, 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 and to fill that out. Because we can literally go through the day and as most people's minds do slant negative, even if you can find the positive, I think they just naturally slant negative. Um, I miss this and I was not nice to my kids and I, I overate or whatever it is. Um, so at least not acknowledge yourself for that one thing. Cause you're right. Like if, if you don't acknowledge yourself, you're not necessarily going to get that from anybody else. So it is important to, um, to be doing that on a constant basis. That's what I always said. That's what I thought also, which I found so like cool is that, you know, besides for just like, I'm saying I'm really new to this sport, but it feels so amazing to use my like I feel like, wow, I have, God really gave me the gifts, the tools and gifts I need, not just like physically. Yeah. I'm physically strong. I have, you know, good running genes. I love working hard. I like pushing myself, but like, it's like, I had the mental tools. Like I don't have race anxiety. It's like, I just knew, I don't know. It was just intuitive, you know? That's amazing. <laughs> I feel very blessed. That is amazing. That's amazing that it is intuitive. I think for most people, it's not. You know, it's, it's just not, I mean, I, 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 if I was going into a difficult conversation with a neighbor, for example, like I, it wouldn't be intuitive to get clear, like, okay, what, what am I thinking about? What am I hoping how she's going to act, how she's going to speak? Right. Can, I, can I accept that she might blow up on me? Like, it's, that's not intuitive, right? Like for me, I need that tool. I need that. I need well, to I depend on it. That you spell it out. Cause I do think like most of us, we need, we need the reminders. The funny the thing is, it's not, it's funny because my parents are not, um, I love my parents, but I didn't grow up at all. Like emotionally aware. Like it's not my night. It's not my nature to be emotionally aware. I, I definitely like learned a lot and worked on it mostly since being married. But um, yeah, I don't know. This, this idea just came to me. It was just like, I need to go into a race completely clear. 
like you're saying, like if you're if you're like worried about what's gonna be like, you'll never perform your best. It's the same thing with like us. A, a, you got to go give a presentation. If all you can think about is like, you know, I don't know, let's say I can't do it, then like you're literally going to falter because you're just you're you're not relaxed. Like the best secret for us accessing our like great our potential is to be fully relaxed, be fully present with everything we have. So, so. While we're not in full control of the circumstances outside of us, what we are always in control of is what we can take responsibility for being, who we can take responsibility for being. They're, they're endless. Like there's endless ways of beings that human beings can show up in the world. Most of the time, I believe we're showing up as people that we're not necessarily wanting to necessarily be because we're not living deliberately. But in this step, you're taking responsibility for this is who I'm going to be. So even if I, you know, finish the race and it's not my best time, I can still be this person. Yeah. I literally, I also thought of, it's funny. I also think said that on my live, I don't know. I was like, have three words that you describe yourself as so that like when you're going through a hard thing or when something you're, you can call on it and you can say, I am this, I am that, I am this, or like aftermath. You're like, but I know I, I did that. I, I, I kept these attributes in mind and this is who I showed up as. And like, like you're saying, yeah, that you can take responsibility to be the, that kind of person. And if it's at the forefront of your mind, like I, and you describe yourself with that as that also, I think it helps you kind of, it changes your perspective on things because you're not going to the place of like, oh, I'm a failure. Oh, this sucks. Oh, I can't do this. It's like, you're calling upon your strengths. Like I, I do, I, this is how I show up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, go, and going back to the concept of language, um, what I encourage people, I learned this from one of my coaches, it's not just to say like, I am being, you know, calm, focused and compassionate, whatever, but to actually use the words, I am committed to being like, I am committed to being this, like really creating a sense of integrity and accountability with yourself so that if you commit to this, that means that no matter what, you are being that. And it's, it has yeah. a very different energy than just saying like, I am being, you know, this, this, and this, you know, that's just, it's very different. It really holds you to this place of accountability. Like you said you were gonna be calm, so be calm. You know, you said you were gonna be grateful, like, so be grateful. So again, that the language is so, it's so important for our emotional health and well-being. I want to thank you so much again for, for gracing us with uh, your presence and for sharing your story, for sharing your, for sharing so vulnerably and open, you know, so openly about um, your feelings and, and, uh, and your thoughts about what happened last week. And I just really want to wish you all of the best mentally, emotionally, physically, um, as you move forward with your marathon running career. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm really, I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Um, because like, I do think I'm a big Edith Eager fan also. And she says the opposite of depression is expression. So you gave me a place to express myself safely and to really go. And I feel so, so at peace right now. And I, I also want other people like I, I love that you shared your tools. I'm going to share this on my stories. I'm going to encourage people to check out your work um, because we could all use more more tools in our life, right? And they're so easy to implement. And I think like you're saying, if it's something that you practice on a daily basis, then when bigger things hit you, you already have that tool in your pocket. It's like you're so comfortable and used to doing it. You don't have to feel shocked and like, 
you'll, you're just like, yeah, I know how to handle this. It's maybe on a bigger scale. It might take a little longer, but like, you know what you need to do to get through it. Wow. What a woman, right? Is Beatty not amazing? By the way, the conversation didn't actually quite end there, but I decided to end it there just for the podcast episode. If you'd like to watch the entire interview, you can do so by heading over to my Instagram page, Shiragura, and watch the entire interview. Beatty is really one to watch. In addition to her unbelievable story of going from a non-runner to a runner to a national champion... She has also made it her mission to help children struggling with mental health and to raise awareness for this important cause. And so if you follow her, you will learn more about her being an advocate for an organization called Beit Daniela, which you can learn more about and contribute to as well through BD. So on this last Tuesday of the month, as we are practicing as a community to focus on appreciation... I would like to publicly thank Beatty and express my appreciation for her agreeing to be interviewed on my podcast because, because what I think I appreciate most about Beatty is not necessarily her running story, but her unbelievable vulnerability and her beautiful way of modeling to the world how to fall forward and that life isn't necessarily always easy, but with tools and with being emotionally equipped you can go so far. I was just on Facebook about an hour ago, and I don't know which race she was preparing to run today, or maybe it was yesterday, but it was a big one. And the post that I just read this morning was about her sharing that she didn't finish the race. She wrote, I've never done it before, and I truly hope I never have to do it again, but I dropped out after two kilometers. I think the worst part about it all is the doubt and the guilt I felt after dropping out. From the second I started running, my body felt completely off. I was struggling to breathe and really didn't feel myself, but I tried to give it a chance and see if I could settle in. She spoke about her kids being sick this week and possibly that she caught something from them. And then she wrote, Today I am choosing to treat myself with kindness, to respect my body and to be proud of the fact that I actually listened to the messages it was sending. And I know tomorrow is another day. I know this race doesn't define me. The journey is full of ups and downs, and I will continue to share the highs and the lows with you all. It can only get better from here, and I'm excited to get back out there, keep grinding, and give it my all at another race very soon. This is what I love most about BD how she processes her life journey, her stuck spots, her ups and downs so beautifully and so confidently, knowing that when she does so, it positively impacts those who listen to her messages. And I think I love this so much about Beatty because I see myself doing the same. And I truly love how she consciously chose to be kind to herself today. I'm wishing Beatty all of the best as she continues on her life journey. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. Wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, I look forward to getting emotionally equipped with you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Emotionally Equipped Podcast. It is my honor and privilege to be able to show up here each week for you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to start applying this work to your own life, you have to check out the Emotionally Equipped Journey. 
This is my six-week group course where you study my tools in depth with me so that you can become emotionally empowered in your life and in your relationships. Head over to my website, shiragora.com for more details and to sign up for the waiting list for the next journey. I look forward to starting this journey with you.